Great. Welcome back to another episode of Out from the Cube. I think this makes episode eight or nine. So uh, we're bringing on our second guest. We were fortunate uh, uh, at the start of this week. It's Friday of this week. So I think it was Monday or Tuesday. We had uh, Josh King on. Josh has been with Polaris Solutions for uh, maybe six or so months. And um, Josh is well-connected in the St. Louis area with Agile and with coaches and team development and leadership. And that's kind of his passion and background. But because of us being able to bring Josh on, we were fortunate that we, uh, because of his network and his connections, that he connected us with um, a, another new member of our Polaris team, and that's Nikki Oberdas. I believe I got that correct. Um, and and so we have our second guest, and that is Nikki. And Nikki's going to join us here in a sec. So we're trying, um, you know, we're trying some tools out. We and uh, I don't mind kind of plugging these tools. We don't. We do have people actually uh, listening to the podcast and getting some content from it that they're hopefully able to implement with their teams and businesses and companies. Um, but um, one of the tools is uh, the main tool that I use with the podcast is Anchor. And what I'm finding out is there's there's better tooling when we do have guests. So there's uh, I, I say all that because I uh, I appreciate Nikki being flexible in trying to get this all set up. So we trying to do this remote with people in other parts of the state and uh, area to get this all organized. I appreciate you, Nikki, being able to pivot quickly on the different devices and tooling that we use to try to do podcasts. So we're uh, on this, but I do want to introduce Nikki and the thing that uh, that I first noticed about Nikki when she came on board and I saw her name pop up um, and that maybe this will sound strange. And you tell me if you've ever heard this before. When I saw your name, the first thing I thought of was the Beatles. I don't know if you've ever had anybody say that before, but the first thing I thought of was Obadibada, <laughs> and then I saw your last name, and I was like Obadibada, and then and then Oberdas. So somehow that was the first thing I thought of when I saw your name was the Beatles and the Obadiba. Have you ever heard that before? I, when, and anybody looked at your name? I haven't, but what has happened in the past? <laughs> so my my name before I was married was uh, Abrahamson. And my okay. my screen name was always Nick Abe, N I K A B E, and okay. uh, my old boss used to call me Nickaby, so it sounds pretty close. <laughs> Nickaby, okay, so nobody yeah. by that, so yeah. perfect, okay. Well, I I appreciate you joining us, um, and and I, there's and and before we came on, we we had a quick uh, pre planning to all this, and and. We're very flexible, and some of the podcasts I've done in the past, I'm just, hey, we're, I'm going to introduce you. We're going to talk about X, Y, and Z. But the the first thing uh, that I would like to cover with the people that are kind enough to kind of uh, want to, you know, to be on the podcast and and have these conversations, they're just a, I, I guess, who you are. I, I know you have a great following on LinkedIn and on Twitter. There are people that will be listening to this. There are going to be people that are listening to this that don't know you, uh, don't know your background. And, and I'm still in the, in the, in the process as other people at our company are getting to know you. Um, so, uh, but you're, you're, uh, you, I asked you to be on, um, really, because I think we do much like Josh and I, we do share some similar interests and passions, um, maybe from different backgrounds where mine is more athletic and yours, yours is more professional. And, but you do have a background in coaching and agile and teams and leadership and motivations. And even Josh and I talked a little bit about, therapy and how the mind works and 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 things like that mm -hmm. i guess my first question would be is like how did this like how long have you had this interest in these passions and is this something that started when you were you know like in high school or younger or is there something that just ha happened naturally as you progressed through your career Hmm, that's an interesting question so i would say it's not something that i was immersed in at all when i was younger uh not in high school or anything like that um, but I've always sort of been on a path, path of pushing myself 
and personal growth. And so I think I sort of just fell into it accidentally. Um, probably the, the there's a lot of particular points in my life that I look back to where I'm like, that's kind of when things change. So there's a few points. One was uh, I worked for a really great leader at Charter Communications a lot of years ago. And uh, she just embodied this type of leadership that was um, basically love everybody and everybody has a place on this team. And she also had a way of stretching them just enough to push people, but not so much that they weren't capable of getting the job done. And so she was really just this this amazing leader that uh, I now call my dear friend and personal mentor. And so uh, that that's what was your position there? Like, what were you, what position did you have at Charter where she was uh, leading you? Uh, well, when I first met her, I, we were actually in different departments, and uh, I admired her a lot. So I had a, a sit down with her for one of my college courses, actually, and she brought up Peter Singe. Um, then I became a business analyst, uh, working for her and then was promoted into project manager and manager on her team. So had different roles and different responsibilities, um, but, but, uh, have always stayed connected with her and always considered her someone who I look to for examples of how to be. And, and so it wasn't, so you kind of had this background in, in BA and project management and kind of taking things through the workflow and through the pipeline, kind of soup to nuts with things. So that, that is kind of the, the foundation of what you do uh, and how you kind of got to where you're at today. That was the foundation uh, of, of product uh, development, correct? Yes. Although my original, uh, so I started out as kind of a, a, I was a call center representative, my first, first job. But um, what I moved into was training instructional design and teaching people, um, technical skills, teaching people um, soft skills, teaching people how to talk on the phone when they were a call center rep, teaching them about products. So my original transition into this was actually training. And then I wanted to get into IT. And then I, uh, I ended up in, in Agile in agile spaces and then I ended up in leadership. So I, I talk about it as if it sort of just fell in my lap, but a lot of it, I had an intention of trying to find a way of getting into it and, and um, push. It took a little while, but ended up in positions that got me closer to where I wanted to be. Do you consider yourself a coach? I do. Uh, it's taken me a while to, to take on that label, but yes, I do consider myself a coach. Okay. Yes. And I asked that for a specific reason. You said something that struck me, or I guess how you started struck me. Um, if you were to pull most coaches, and I'm thinking of in the athletic space, the, uh, the people that I'm friends with and the background that I have and all the years that I did it, if you were to pull those coaches, the first thing that they would say they are, are teachers. Right. And so when you said you were teaching and you were training, I'm wondering if that if if starting that way and having that passion and 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 honing that skill uh, enabled that transition to a coach and to agile and to teams much easier for you, because because I think teaching teaching is the crux of kind of coaching. Um, and a, a great coaches consider themselves teachers. So um, I, I wonder if that's helped kind of uh, stoke those flames of and the, those passions that you have for what you do today, just that background in teaching. I think you might be onto something with that because when I think back to when I was training, you know, I would be training new hire call center reps or training a, a bunch of managers. And being uh, when I first started 
So I, I, I remember back to when I interviewed for a, a training position, I was petrified. And I remember it very distinctly, um, how afraid I was to speak in front of these four people who were interviewing me that I was trying to show that I could train. But when I became a trainer and when I was training uh, teams, one of the things that was the most exciting thing to me was when things that I did, things that I helped them do, gave them an aha moment and changed the way that they saw something or changed the way that they saw themselves. Um, it was one of my favorite things to do. And this was, you know, 14, 15 years ago. Um, and so that's still a consistent thing that I've always sort of had this uh, joy in seeing people mm -hmm. sort of have this light bulb moment and change what they're doing or change how they're behaving or change what they hmm. think. I had a discussion with somebody yesterday in a gym, actually, at a, at a basketball camp, and we were talking about uh, the roles of coaches and slash parents. And I said, and, I, and I've always kind of felt this way, and you just said it, um, and I guess I kind of want your, uh, your, your take on this spin of, the, of what you said, is coaches and parents, but really when I think of coaches, coaches are trying to convince players or employees or people they're training of things that they will ultimately figure out themselves, right? So I, I say that that in coaching and just taking coaching basketball, for example, or being a parent where you're trying to teach something like, hey, you're going to figure this out. You're going to figure out that I should have spent more time in the gym or should have done this a certain way or whatever it might be. But you might figure it out when you're 25 and can't really do anything about it. Or you may figure this out as a, uh, I'm trying to teach you something as a 14-year-old a that you might figure out when you're 50, but my job is to get you to figure that out as quickly as possible. And the gr the, gr the great players, the great employees, mm -hmm. the great teams, the great the, uh, the the great employees, whatever it might be, those people that figure those things out the quickest, th that's when you get, you know, the highly skilled person or the great teammate or the great performer or whatever, as opposed to the person that figures it out when it's too late and they can't do anything about it. So I mean, that's kind of what you said. Like you get a kick out of training somebody that gets their aha moment earlier rather than later. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. And I think that's, that, that is impactful for coaches. Like that's the juice I think that coaches get right where you can teach something or coach something or show them a different way of considering something or a different strategy to accomplish a goal. And they get it and they get it like, like within like two hours and you've transformed them. And they're like, man, that changed my life or that changed how I do business or that changed how I perform on this team. Mm -hmm. And you sit back and say, man, that's, that's an awesome feeling. Mm -hmm. right? You, yeah, you, you get, I mean, you kind of get that same juice from that. Absolutely. And I think the, 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 the part about coaching that's, that I think you pointed out there is there's a part of it that's innately in people already. And what I like to do is to help them find it themselves. Like I, I like to provide structures that let people find the thing that they already know to be true. Um, so there's, there's the component of like teaching people a skill and, and giving them knowledge and those kinds of things and teaching them some technical skill. But there's also the, the part of them that there's a piece of uh, learning that happens where people find out what's innately in them and then they use that to propel themselves forward. And I think, you know, in coaching, there's so much um, – in the the mind and psychology and how people think of themselves and their own limiting beliefs and whether or not they deserve the success and um, all of that kind of stuff is the, the kind of thing that I really, really love 
right now. It wasn't something that I was aware of, you know, 15 years ago consciously, but it was it was something that was actually naturally happening. It's people just realizing, hey, I don't have to stay in this situation. I can change this. Um, and then also, you know, teaching them the skills and uh, behaviors and technical skills. And stuff. Right. Yeah. That's great. So I guess the only thing I'm going to ask from you today is I'm going to ask that you promise to be back on the show. (laughs) That's the only, that's the, my only, my only takeaway from, or my only request, my only ask of you, because you said three or four things that I'm sitting there going, man, we need to talk about that. Like the, the one phrase I'm into phrases. So the coach in me, I love phrases. Um, like the big phrase that's on my mind uh, on another podcast that I talked about in terms of coaching and basketball is time and score. Like coaches love phrases, time and score, you know, uh, be quick, but don't hurry. Like these are all kind of phrases that coaches kind of love, but you said a phrase that, that I resonated with me. And if I had my notebook in front of me, I'd write it down is limiting beliefs. And we could have a whole show just on that. And the reason why that re- that re- uh, resonates with me is I'm a big Tony Robbins guy. I've read everything Tony Robbins has written and I listen to his podcast and I find and anything I can find uh, with Tony Robbins kind of gets me juiced up and his enthusiasm is contagious with certain things. But one of his big phrases is uh, to kind of transform our lives is to get rid of these limiting beliefs and the, the, the kind of the voice in your head. Like I talked to my mom about the great things that she can do in her life at 65 years old. And she immediately tells me 10 reasons why it won't happen. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ah, right. You got to quit doing that. <laughs> quit talking like that. It drives me nuts. Those are limiting. You're already kind of telling yourself why you can't do things instead of, you know, right out of the shoot. So we could have a whole discussion on that, but absolutely. There, yeah. But there is, but we did have kind of a topic when we were offline on things um, that we wanted to talk about today and um and and it's come up a lot it seems to be kind of this theme uh theme of polaris and our company for the past um uh, more than a week but really kind of a theme for the past two weeks and i do think it's kind of a a pillar or a theme for the company kind of moving forward and, and it's one one word uh and it's feedback and that it seems like it's always coming up and people are talking about it and um a lot of our discussions are centered around feedback and how we can help each other um so that's really what we wanted to talk about i know we're 15 minutes in and and, and we uh and we could talk for probably the next two hours about it. we won't but we could so let me just start really simple really simple and i want you and again i uh, i've told people that listen to this um uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to do the podcast was to learn. And that is a pillar of mine is to learn as much as I can. And um, we used to say with our teams that I coach, there's only two ways that you uh, that you change your life and that you learn. And one is by the people you meet and the other is by the books you read. So um, meeting you and having you on is, is for me to learn, but for everybody that listens to learn. So question number one, what is feedback? What Just what is it? Um, is it negative? Is it positive? Is it supposed to bring me down? Is it supposed to tear me up? Is it supposed to move me to a different direction? What What is feedback and why should it be important? Mm-hmm. To what we're doing? Yeah, so interesting. I'm not going to use probably a textbook definition and I don't actually have an off the cuff definition. So I'm going to give you kind of the raw, here's what I think right in this moment. Yep. And I think what I would define feedback is Uh, a way of sharing a perspective that you have or the experience that you have of another person. So um, one of the things that I try to emphasize is that if I offer feedback to someone, it only means that that is my experience of them. And it is one perspective that, uh, that I'm sharing, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it 
is truth about that person. It doesn't mean that that person should necessarily change their behavior. It doesn't mean anything bad about that person or necessarily innately good. It just means that uh, through the filters of my own perception, here is a perspective that I'm offering. Here's what that experience was like for me um, with interacting with you or with observing you or with, you know, whatever. And, and I think a lot of times feedback in a manager employee scenario or even in a peer scenario, there's some expectation that when someone gives you feedback, you have to do something or it means something about you. And I don't think that's true. I think it's a way of getting a perspective about how someone else experiences you and then deciding if that means something to you or not and if you're going to do something about it. Um, it's reducing a blind spot about how you're experienced. Hmm. And so is this, so is, I guess I'm thinking about how this intersects our team. So I'm, I'm trying to think about the person that's driving in his car, going to work, working for some sort of enterprise, and we're talking about feedback. And my big thing is I want this podcast to be twofold for people. I want, I want people to listen to this, to consider something and hopefully implement something like I would like everybody to consider everything that's going on and that we're, what we're talking about and hopefully take mm -hmm. something away, something they can implement. And I'm wondering about like this feedback is it's, so there's individual feedback, kind of what you were just saying, like, Hey, it's how you're experiencing me or something I'm doing or something I can do better or something I might've said. Um, and then there's essentially like this big team feedback, correct? So I'm wondering, I'm wondering how that feedback intersects more of, of what I'm doing and how I'm doing it relative to myself and then to the team, if that makes sense. That might, may not make that much sense. No, no. Yeah. So in a, in a team environment, the thing about feedback, so there's a couple of things. One, getting over this mindset that if someone gives me feedback, it means something bad about me. Um, and kind of trying to eliminate the psychological barriers that keep us from, one, giving feedback, and two, listening to it and hearing it. Um, I think that's the, the foundation of it and a the foundation of that perspective, right? So, so when I'm saying that it doesn't mean that there's something bad about you or that there's some truth in what that person is saying, it's all about understanding that everybody has different perspectives. So get rid of that psychological fear that keeps us from giving feedback or hearing feedback. And then from a team perspective, the willingness to share perspectives and share feedback about each other sometimes gives you aha moments about, oh, you know what, if we just or I just changed this one little thing about how I'm behaving in this particular meeting, the experience that other people have of me might be totally different and it might increase my effectiveness significantly. But if you don't have that willingness to hear feedback or to give feedback, you sometimes don't get that aha moment. You sometimes don't get an opportunity to know that when you're speaking that quickly or uh, when you say um a lot or when you, um, you know, interject, uh, interrupt people in a meeting, you don't even know you're doing it. And if you're not open to hearing what other people are observing about you, you don't have a chance to change it. And so the team dynamic effectiveness of a team is all about the ability for everybody to be better than the sum of their parts. I think this is something that Chris says a lot, better than the sum of their parts. And in order to do that, I believe that people need to start seeing themselves how others see them and then make a decision about if they want to change that behavior to be more effective. Let me ask you this. Um, the why, why do you, I guess it's a two part question. I'm just, why, why is that just phrase immediately put people on their heels and why is it so negative? Like that, that whole, Hey, Nikki, I'm about to give you some feedback on what you did this morning in this standup. But so like, I, I think that automatically puts you on your heels. I think you're already like, okay, here it comes. Yeah. All right. Like I did something he didn't like, 
Um, he's going to tell me why he didn't like it. And I'm already uh-huh. on my heels defensive. I'm putting my hands up like, okay, here it comes. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, and I say that because that's how I am. If you were to say, hey, you know what, George, you led that meeting this morning. And I think uh, I'd like to get together with you and I'd like to provide uh-huh. some feedback. I'd be like, ah, oh, crap. Okay, here we go. Like, what did I do wrong? Then my mind's already racing. I'm like, what did I mess up? What did I, I say not right? What did I, what, did I uh-huh. not give clear instructions? Like, that's how my mind works. And I'm, I'm willing to bet, and I can uh-huh. be totally wrong. I'm willing to bet most people are probably like that. Yeah, I, right when they when they hear that word. Yeah, I think it's a it's a pretty universal fear. I can't say 100% universal. I've not done a study on it, but I think it's a pretty universal fear that when somebody hears the word or the phrase, "Can I offer you some feedback?" that their expectation is one, it's going to be something negative, and two, that it means that they've failed at something. And then you take on that that feeling onto your shoulders and start talking badly about yourself to yourself. So the other person that's got this perspective about your performance or something that you did is, at least in my mind, offering you a gift of here's something that I observed that may make you more effective. But you have this internal self-talk that says, look, I screwed it up again. Here's an example of where I did something that I shouldn't have done. And now this person's coming and telling me about it. And darn it, what's wrong with me? And and so the thing that I'm trying to, to communicate about regarding feedback is that it doesn't have to be this big psychological burden. It doesn't have to be that heavy. It doesn't have to be that uh, laden with fear. Um, It can just be something about, you know, this is a perspective that someone is offering me and I can choose to do something about it or not. And if I listen with open ears and an open mind, it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with me or that I'm bad or that I've done anything terrible. It just means that someone has an observation about me that might change my effectiveness to be better. Who, who gives you the right to give me that critique? I'm, I'm wondering the mindset that people have. You, Such you know what question. I mean? Like, hey, like, hey, I've been working here for two years, Nikki, and I know, I know how things roll. And if you're going to come and critique me and provide feed, like, who is this person? Do you, you understand what I'm saying? Like, oh, I, totally. Right? Like, that, and I actually, I believe in that from a human perspective. Like, who is it? Why is it that someone else can impose this judgment on me and right. tell me this thing that I'm doing wrong? Right. I am the authority on myself, not you. But but I think if we change our, our mindset about it and say, you know what, I just want to hear what it is that other people are experiencing of me. And I make the choice about what I think about it and what I'm going to do about it. It doesn't mean it's true, but it means it's their experience. And there are so many situations where somebody else's experience of you is because of their own filters. And it, it can be that what you're hearing from them is, is not something that you want to choose to bring into your life. Like you don't want to take it on. You don't want to say, oh, you know, this is something I need to do something about. And other times it is. Right. And so that, that's why I think it's not that this other person has some authority or some higher power over your perspective. It's just that they're, and that's what this whole feedback training is all about, is people offering their perspective and their experience of you and you choosing whether or not you want to take that and do anything about it. Mm. On subjects like this, somebody used the, the word uh, fluffy to me or, you know, kind of this stuff out there like, oh, some of this stuff is just kind of just too fluffy and too out there and, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And feedback kind of feels that way. Like if you were to sit there and say, hey, we're going to kind of have this feedback. So I'm wondering... Like, how do you get there? How do you kind of take down, I guess, two walls? One, like, you know, the fluff of this, you know, the softness of this. And you know what? Hey, I'm, I'm going to tell you what I want you to do and how I want it done. And you either take it or you don't because this is a business, right? You know, this is not, uh, you know, I, I want results. 
I want, I want things produced. I want, and if you either can't take it or, or you take it the wrong way, that's, that's on you. I just want things done. Um, I've seen that. I've seen that. I've seen that business. I've seen that team. I've seen those leaders kind of do that. We're like, you know what? We're not going to have these huge seminars on feedback and how to take it. But then there's this other side where I think that that becomes like, this is how we're doing it. Feedback is important to us, how you take it and how you receive it and what you do with it is important to us. And we're just not going to talk about it. It's actually going to be in our DNA. It's going to be in our culture. It is going to be something we do and, and how we talk about it. So there's kind of two, two ways to kind of look at that. And I'm wondering how you get kind of team A or business A to, to kind of get to, to, to the second side. I'm, I'm wondering like, do you have strategies if you roll in and, and you're hired to do uh to do this uh, for a company and you're, you're brought in to kind of give a feedback seminar and people are like, Oh my word, I don't want to sit through this. And this is all fluff and all this sort of stuff. I wonder how you get that mind shift to like to, to convince people that it should be part of your culture. It should be part of your DNA. It should be something that is discussed every week. And, and I say that because I think you've done that for us, right? I have not heard the word feedback I have you heard it before with our company. I have not heard it as much as I have in the past two to three weeks. Um, and I think it's an initiative brought on by the entire company. I'm not, I'm not, um, I think, but s s there has been a shift on that. And so I wonder how that change happens. Like, uh, do you, do you have strategies or is there uh, things that you have done to have that shift happen? Well, there, so there's actually empirical evidence that companies who have a more creative leadership mindset are more financially successful. And uh, companies whose leaders and people, anybody in the pump, in a company really, have a more reactive tendency, um, don't perform as well financially and don't last as long. And, and so that's a starting point for, for any executive or uh, uh, anyone who, who decides on the financial um, investment in a feedback culture. There's real empirical evidence that says that those companies perform better and outlast companies who don't. And you look at like studies, even Google has done internally, you find that the culture at Google is actually part of what keeps them succeeding over and over again and keeps them growing and keeps them sustainable. So, so that's the starting point in terms of uh, convincing or uh, kind of just the financial impact of a feedback and the organizational culture and the way that we treat each other and the way that we talk to each other. Um, at a more macro level, I think there are some situations where people in the you know middle management or or really anywhere in an organization just aren't ready for this type of uh, relationship with people at work. There's a tendency in lots of businesses to think that we check ourselves at the door and we walk in as rational machines who uh, do the job, you know, finish the tasks and then walk out and then we check back into our humanness. And and I don't believe that. I don't think that that's true. I think we bring our, our whole humanness, our whole human selves with us, and we just try to compartmentalize ourselves, which actually I think reduces our effectiveness and reduces our team success. Um, and so the, the, the thing that I do, I think, is just I talk about it. And I, um, I think the other thing that I do, which I haven't always done, I haven't always been kind of willing to talk about the human side of, of me or, or the people that I'm working with, but I think I talk about being humid, human and being okay with bringing my whole self to work and, you know, sharing that vulnerability. And I, th I think that kind of starts to shift people a little bit where they're like, oh, there's somebody who's, I'm, you know, I've done all right in my career. I, uh, I've 
worked my way up through companies. And, and so seeing somebody else behave that way, I think, starts to shift the way that people behave. So that's the best answer I can come up with. I don't have a like a methodology that says do these five things. I think you have to be receptive to that. I think there needs to be strong leadership. I mean, and so these questions that yeah. I ask you, um, one, again, yeah. I, I'm all about learning and hearing different perspectives and trying to figure out how I can get better in, in, the, in the 45 or so minutes that we're together. Um, but so my take on my take on this, and I talked with uh, somebody about this the other day uh, that works for our company. Feedback sure is a lot easier when it comes from somebody that I know cares about me. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, that's so true. Right. Yeah, and, it's so true. And so I, and and I str- I struggle with this. I, I really do. And, and I struggle in the business world. So my background is in coaching and at coaching athletic teams and putting my whole self into those people, like everything, like 17 hour days where my mind is always thinking about those 17 or so people and what I can do for them and in and. and to have them reach their goals and provide value for them and how I can get this team together. And you, you cover every sort of role from therapist to psychologist to school counselor, to parent, to friend, to coach, like all these different roles that you have when you're with an athletic team. And my mind was always wrapped up in them, but the, that is all built and centered around a relationship. Mm -hmm. The better the relationship and the connection that I can have with those kids, college kids that I could coach, that I could help them and we could achieve our goals and objectives that we would have for that team. In this case, it happened to be winning basketball games or graduating for college or getting great jobs, whatever it might be. Right. But it was really, and you'd never hear this in the professional world, but it was, and I have said this many times with my teams, you sit there and you're battling and they're giving you everything you have and you're giving everything to them. And you sit there and say, I just want you guys to all know how much I love you. I love the effort you're giving to me, to each other, to the team, to our objectives and all that. So you built that relationship. And after you build that relationship, it's easy for me to sit there and say, you know what, Nikki, when you did this yesterday, it really hurt the team and how you said this or what you did, or are you not taking your academics seriously, you know, and just really, I, I mean, I have blistered people before, mm-hmm. right. But they, but they've always sat back and said, yeah, I, I, I can take that mm-hmm. because I know deep down inside that guy really, really cares about me. Mm-hmm. And I, I just say that story and kind of that, that because I'm wondering how you do that in the professional world, because it's hard for, it's hard for our boss to sit there in a room and say, you know what? I just want everybody to know how much I really care about you, really love you and how much I think about you, your goals, your direction and all that. But then, and then have them turn it around and say, you know, you really stink at this, you know, but but we know our boss cares about us, but there are, it's hard to do that in the professional world. Isn't it? That, that, that sense of like, that guy really cares about me. So I can take that feedback. I can take that, that butt kicking that I just got. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, do, do you kind of see my point? I mean, oh, isn't absolutely. that hard with what we do? Absolutely. And that, that I think is part of the, the challenge in this idea that we don't bring our whole selves to work. We have to check our emotions at the door. And, you know, we, we spend eight, at least eight hours right. a day with these folks. And right. you build close relationships with people and you do actually start caring about them. And you do start, you know, building a strong relationship with them. And when you have those strong relationships, those are the most effective teams. I've been on two very, very uh, uh, close-knit 
effective teams. One of them was the one I mentioned in the beginning of the conversation um, where the leader was a servant leader, cared about us. We had parties at our house. We were, you know, we talked to each other. We hung out with each other on the weekends um, it, and it was phenomenal. We also got amazing work done. We had a blast at work. It was one of the funnest things that I did. And I was a leader of, of a very, very effective team. And one of the things that we focused on was getting to know each other for real. We had team building meetings every two weeks where we would sit down and do different things, play games, you know, um, different learning games, learn about each other, understand each other, and provide feedback to each other about, about how things were going with our team. And, and it's all about actually accepting our humanness and creating a connection between people. And then the team effectiveness can be unleashed. It's, it's amazing and also very difficult and not terribly common. I think that culture of feedback is just a byproduct of probably doing some other things, like having a culture of feedback that is effective. Mm -hmm. Like you, you can have bad feedback and bad, bad, bad one-on-ones and, you know, and bad conversations where you're receiving feedback, man, I just got my tail just beat. And you come with your head down and you go home and complain to your family and you, and you just get demoralized. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, or, or you can have this feedback that is, the, the the opposite of that, but it's the opposite of that because of all this yep. other stuff that has set the table. Yep. That, right. Feed, having great feedback and handling it correctly and accepting it and getting a, a, and doing better work or the better version of you or whatever it might be is really because we do other things. Well. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's about creating psychological safety and psychological safety requires you to have a connection with people. So you have to do the team building first before you have the safety to be one willing to share feedback and two willing to receive it uh, with an open heart. Right. It's really having that leader. I mean, we could talk, I could talk about this stuff all day because there are, there are the kind of things to get over in my mind. Like the word safety is another fluff word. Like, ah, people don't want you. Like you would go talk to the, you know, the, the head person at some great company here in St. Lee. He's not going to want to talk about, Hey, Hey, how safe, how safe do your employees feel that they can do? You know, he, he may sit there and say, you know what? I don't care about that. You know, I care, mm -hmm. you know, that sort of thing, but it's really boils down to that leadership and they may not even use those words, but I, you know, when I work, I, I work kids out in the evenings in terms of basketball, like in, like, I love it. Like, cause I, 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 I enjoy, I, I coach college basketball for a long time. I enjoy working, working with younger kids much more than I did. Not, not to say I didn't have a great time in coaching college kids, but there's something about a 12 year old kid that, that you give feedback to, or that you coach. And two weeks later, he can't, one, when you teach him, he can't do something. And two weeks later, he can do something like that whole, that whole mm -hmm. transition where, Hey, we're getting better. And he's taking this feedback and all that. But I do think it's that leader that sits there and, and can be, Hey, uh, and develop that mindset of this is important. This feedback is important or creating that safety to fail, right? That mm -hmm. safety to fail, that safety to get better, that safety to, to receive feedback and kind of that story with these, these kids is creating that environment of, of safety is really important. And it, and it is such a fluff word. Aren't these fluff words that these, these high executives or C, C level people that don't want to hear? They are. And I would say to them that they can, uh, you know, hire really smart people who uh, are willing to do what they're told or they can hire really smart people who will continue to grow and continue to uh, build the company. And I think they probably want the ones who are growing and changing and learning and improving. Mm 
Uh, and if they want the others, they, they, there's plenty of people who are willing to, to come to work and do what they're told. And, you know, there's some safety in that also, actually. You know, there's some safety in being told what to do. Not all companies need that. And in our, our, our society today, I think a lot of our environments require knowledge workers and require people uh, to, to be hiring people who are smarter than them, who are willing to learn and um, change the company. Uh, and in order to do that, you actually need safety. You can call it whatever word you want, but uh, you need people who are going to tell you the truth, who are going to tell you what the challenges are in the company and who are going to push to change them and take risks. Right. That is, those are such big words right now. I mean, we, we talk about feedback and safety and the word that kind of pops into, and you've said this already, uh, this phrase, but you, uh, you, you, the servant leader word though, I mean, those are big words right now in terms of business and having these cultures of, you know, these great cultures where everybody wants to work there. Everybody's got a voice. I mean, cause that's what people want, right? People want to be accepted. They want to contribute. They want to be valued. They want to be appreciated. They want to, I agree with you. I wholeheartedly agree with you. And I've had this conversation with people over the past couple of weeks. We spent eight to 10. And there are people that grind out 70 hour work weeks. They do it. And man, we better enjoy it. We better enjoy it. And you better feel like you're valued and appreciated and have a voice and do those. Yeah, as fruity and as, as fluffy as that stuff sounds, it really, and having those leaders, and you've said it, that have those, that servant heart, that servant leadership that uh, allow for those things to happen. And I do believe to your point that the safety and the feedback, um, are all part of a, uh, are, those are the results of doing some other things correctly mm-hmm. that ultimately probably come from the leader. Mm-hmm. So um, I think those are, I mean, we could go on and on. And I, I know um, the one thing I have learned uh, w- with uh, our company and how we do things um, that, that we do kind of time box things. So I, I, and the idea of that time box actually is kind of interesting in that your time is valuable. I know you have other things to do and I want to, uh, to, I believe you use the phrase, you want to honor your time and honor other people's time. So I don't, I want to honor your time. I could talk for hours. So I, the one thing I wanted you to commit to was to come back on to talk about some of these other things that you said. When I do go back, listen to the podcast, I'm going to uh, take notes and write down some of the things you said, because I would like to touch on some of these things. Um, I will say this. I'm going to steal something if I can. Um, I'm going to, so I listen to a lot of podcasts. There's a podcast that I think everybody should listen to. It's called the school of greatness. It is by Lewis Howes. Lewis was a college athlete and now he's like this. I forget his tagline, but, um, uh, you know, he's a lifestyle entrepreneur or something along those lines. Uh, and he, he works on just kind of these, you know, changing your life and challenging your body and all this, but he does something at the end of his podcast that I think is really powerful. And I really appreciate what he does. And it is very fluffy. I, when he does this, I think it's very fluffy. He, he does this and I'm going to steal it from him. And when I steal it from him, I'm going to, um, uh, um, kind of always, uh, give him the credit for it, but he does, he acknowledges his guest. So I'm going to acknowledge you. I'm going to steal it from him and I'm going to acknowledge you in that. I think the time that you have been at our company has been impactful. I think that people have really, uh, have really taken to you. I think your, your voice, your leadership, your knowledge, um, and the exercises that you've had us go through, uh, to make our team better, our company better and us kind of all individually better in terms of kind of what I'd like for this podcast to be, where it's a consideration of, I would, I, I would hope for a consideration on ways to improve our leadership, our communication, our teams. Um, and I think that you have had people consider those things. I would also say that 
people are just not considering things. I think you've in two or three, four weeks that you've been with us, people are implementing some of these things. So I want to make sure to acknowledge you with those things that you've done for our for our team, but for even the people that are listening to this, I do think people will be able to consider and implement. You know, uh, maybe that will be the tagline of the show: consider and implement. Uh, from things from this podcast. So I want to make sure to acknowledge you for that because it has been great having you on board with what we're doing and the direction that we're headed. So I appreciate you for that. Thanks, George. I really, really appreciate that. Yeah. So um, so that's it for Out From The Cube. We are going to bring in other people. And Nikki, I do have your commitment, right, to come back and and do more, learn more, and discuss more, correct? Absolutely. Would be glad Perfect. to. I will pin you on that. Okay. So with that, I uh, appreciate everybody listening. And again, uh, consider and implement and try to find something in here that uh, can change you, your teams, your leadership, and your uh, your coaching style, perhaps. So thank you again, Nikki. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, George.